Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Munsonrider and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, we've all been watching The Last Dance, so we're thinking about skate subjects that could get the documentary treatment. But first, we invited our skate Twitter pal, Anthony Popolardo, on the show to talk about his piece for Nike SB, interviewing Olympic hopefuls about the delay in the summer games. Anthony, welcome to the show. How are Nike's Olympic hopefuls taking this delay? I think, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm a fan of the pod, so it's cool to be on here. But yeah, I think everyone I talked to was definitely just, they reacted like everyone else, you know? Like, it didn't seem like anyone had this crazy, like, the Olympics weren't the first thing on their mind. It was more or less, like, adjusting to a new schedule and kind of, like, like a lot of people expect expressed relief the biggest takeaway was just how everyone like talking to people who are actually going to be in the olympics who have different perspectives other than just wanting to compete you know like it had a different connection for each each of them was super interesting so yeah i don't know it was cool it was cool to work on yeah it was a rad piece and just for everybody who hasn't read the piece who did you talk to so i talked to Haley wilson yuto her gome kind of with his like uh his assistant helping a little bit, and then Nigel Houston, Oski, and 11-year-old Sky Brown. Nice. And she's the, the British female skater? Yeah. Was hoping, she was hoping to be the first or the youngest British Olympian, and now she's bummed that she probably isn't going to be. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I didn't really know much about her beforehand, to be honest, and it was like just such a like just such an like I was the most nervous for that interview because I'm like I'm talking to an 11 year old and her parents you know it's just a weird it's a weird setup and within the first question I was like oh that she knows how to answer everything it's not it wasn't even like a media train thing it was just an energy of like I like talking to people so it was pretty smooth nice yeah it was I was curious about that because that's a little person <laughs> I've got a three-year-old <laughs> and I feel like I don't know how you know. We've all interviewed our, our our skaters, and that her interview impressed me, frankly. Like, and you know, when you say that that she's just eager to talk and probably eager to talk about skating, it's like, oh, of course she's going to be a pretty decent interview. I I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, the funniest thing was like stuff just just hitting me on the fly. I'm like, well, you're just still learning. You know what I mean? I'm like, what are tricks you want to learn? And just hearing her be like, I want to get like proper inverts for the olympics like that's pretty sick oh yeah and yeah to get to reach out to nija did nike kind of hook that up or did you have to go through his agent or whatever i assume a uh, type of guy like that has an agent someone like that working for him. so the the process over there is uh aaron Meza asked me to do it and then he put me in touch with scuba and scuba was like the go-to he coordinated everything but like there was going to be a point, I think, where Nigel like likes to have management on calls and stuff like that. But then he was just like, "This, it's cool. Don't worry about it, and just call me whenever." So it was that was actually like it's so much better because I've done a lot of interviews where like PR people are on the phone. It's just it's just a weird setup. No Damn. Doubt. So so do the PR people like jump in and they're like, "He's not going to answer that question." <laughs> no, no, they were just like next those- question. Yeah, those dudes. Those dudes talked to him, and he was like, "No, I'll just talk to Anthony directly." So we didn't have to do that route. But I've definitely like I'm not going to put anyone on blast, but I've had to submit questions beforehand and like had a back and forth with PR over some ridiculous shit in the past. <laughs> so you know, everybody was pretty even keel. But out of um, who you spoke to, was anybody like palpably bummed that? things were going to be delayed. I feel like Oski almost had kind of like the deepest answers. If, if I'm reading correctly, like what was your, what was your findings, Anthony? Well, that like that conversation with Oski was really cool because he like, we were talking about like stuff we had been watching and I was saying how I just started going through the love letters from the beginning. And then he was saying how he kept watching the Cardiel documentary, the epically latered. And we got to this place where he was like it's just so funny because you want to talk about skating the way he talks about it in in terms of vibes or whatever and it's like it's really apparent that he he's like a thinker about all this stuff and uh and then we were it's i don't think it's in the interview but we were talking about like the cardiel 360 on the broken board in marseille and i'm like the crazy thing that i hadn't thought of until now is like that could happen in the olympics like you could do some nbd and that becomes a sports center clip more than 
that guy won the gold, you know, like it could be like this weird moment. And he was like, that's like insane to think of that. That could be like, you could do something that's never been done in front of the world. It's like kind of a crazy way to think of it. And that is crazy. I mean, I've got in my head, Sky Brown doing a front side invert and, you know, little, little arms raised in the air, riding away. I mean, that's, and now I'm starting to tear up. I'm getting emotional. The, the, all the talks got like, not emotional, but it was like, ah, regardless of what you think about the Olympics or the inclusion or whatever, it's pretty insane that these, like these athletes are going to be like at the opening ceremony, hanging out with other Olympians, the commentating, like all this shit being in the Olympic village. It's like, it's a pretty, it's like a crazy experience to have, um, or, you know, like a once in a lifetime experience. So whatever, take the the corniness out of it or whatever. It's just like it, it, every single person I talked to was kind of like, Holy shit. I'm, I I am going to be in this thing, even though it's postponed, like it's going to happen. And that that's pretty sick. Was anybody uh, concerned about possibly losing their spot? You know, I feel like in a year, some young upstart could bump somebody from their their spot on the Olympic team. So it was early enough along that uh, they were still kind of filtering in information, so no one was tripping on it too hard. Information was just pretty piecemeal. Like most of them found out about the postponement on Instagram and everything. So, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm getting ideas now. Um, so like I'm a quarter Welch, so I'm wondering like, could, could I real quick try to get on that Wales skate team? Yeah. You might want another year. You might want to email that in now that, yeah, now that you can like do some strength and conditioning and whatnot. <laughs> How did you know? Um, yeah. okay. Good to know. Good to know. A, a year extension. There we go. Yeah. So if the Welsh Olympic, uh, skateboard coach is listening, uh, hit up your boy. Listen, he got, he got 107th at Tampa. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, uh, no slouch. No slouch. Oh, yeah. 13 years ago, damn it. Uh, um, I know you mentioned Oski talking about the Cardiel moment. Were there any other things, uh, interesting tidbits that just didn't make the cut as far as the interviews go or anything that really surprised you? Well, what kind of surprised me was that, like, there were some just moments talking to Nigel where it was like, you're talking to this dude that just takes skateboarding on a different level. But then at the same time, he's also like, I just want to be street skating. Like, I don't think people get that about me. And it's like, whatever, it's an interview. People can like frame themselves however they want. But it was like, he was, he was just more down to talk about skating than maybe you would expect or, you know, cause he's such a brand. And, you know, like, I, I feel like when you get to that level, you're kind of like, using an interview to send out messages or whatever, you know, like what you're, you know, how you're positive or whatever is going on in your life. And he, he was just more down to talk about actual skating. So I thought that was really sick. I mean, there wasn't too much like the, the Oski thing just went on super long. Cause we were just getting, I mean, we were just talking about the stupidest shit. But uh, I guess one thing that probably, I don't think it made it in there, but I was talking about how I got into skateboarding probably through back to the future. Like that dates me, but that's really what made me want to get a skateboard and i'm like there's going to be millions of people who see this and that's they're going to be their introduction that's what gets them psyched to buy a board you know mm -hmm. and i hadn't really thought of it like because when they talk about like markets growing and you know the you know the, the sales are going to go up x percent like you're not thinking about who those people are that are coming into it and it's like no that actually is a moment where people are going to see something for the first time and like that's probably a lot less corny than back to the future you know so <laughs> hey back yeah. to the future and police academy were my introductions to skateboarding so that's not corny at all i definitely think like it, it the the piece definitely humanized kind of who's going to be involved with this and like i think throughout the list there's it's all skaters who are interesting at the very least or you know people who i'm a fan of their skateboarding and um yeah it kind of it definitely put like the whole olympic skateboarding you know capital o capital s in a different perspective for me um i don't know like anthony did 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 you walk away with a different opinion i walked away like well the first thing is i'm like nick Basario is a coach like that's the craziest thing i've ever mm -hmm. heard um and then like learning what a coach does was kind of interesting like it was like oh you're kind of just having people it's just going out with friends and they're showing you tricks like that's pretty insane but uh i don't know i just i definitely walked away from it being like this is 
like the fact that it's been postponed, right? So for the people involved, like it has their, their own implications, but this is going to be the post COVID Olympics. And it's going to be this like emotional, like weird nostalgia, all this stuff. People already like fake, like they're the biggest Olympic fans when they come on anyways. So this is going to be like the, the emo Olympics. <laughs> and, uh, but, but it, it so it's already going to be this dramatic thing. And then to see skating, like, arrive there and whatever like like i think what's interesting is just like we don't know how like the pandemic's going to change skating industry wise or like does it make kids stay away from parks and now they're like becoming more like streets street skaters street skaters early on or are they getting super creative mm-hmm. whatever like we don't know how that'll change we don't know what like post olympic skateboarding looks like bad or good so like but but it hit me like that will it's going to do some, it will have some repercussions somehow. And it, uh, and I think just the way it's going to be juxtaposed just amplifies it even more. Yeah. Along the lines of, uh, coaches and that kind of thing. I mean, everyone knows Nigel has that park that like green and purple monster mm-hmm. park or whatever. Uh, did you get a sense that any of the other skaters had a similar setup or any type of park or place that they could go to, or are they just like in the garage and shit? They were just pretty much garaging it and like talking about building ramps and stuff like that. Um, so they were keeping it like they were keeping it way leaner than I expected. And because uh, I, th- I think also too, like some people are just like I forget who mentioned it, but someone was just talking about the stress of not wanting to get injured. But it's like yeah, yeah. I still have to do my regular job of like get tricks, film. But one ankle injury sets me back so far. So it's like I think they're kind of welcoming, chilling a little bit. Yeah, and you think like Nike would be able to kick in like eight or ten G's for everyone to be like, here, build a mini ramp or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, you would think like it, even just some little type of like ledge, some type of situation, it should be just you know, especially with cutting back how much free shit they're giving away. You know, like everyone's tightening the belt, they should be able to funnel it to the skaters to build shit. I feel like the skaters got to take initiative on that one and you know, hit up the TM and be like, hey, can you guys? help me out to build this mini ramp so that I can, you know, stay Olympic ready. Yeah. Can you send me the prefab starter kit in my box? Yeah. Sick wedge ramp and a flat bar or something. I don't even know if they still make those, like those mass marketed ones. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, I know Kyle Beachy got the, um, the element flat bar. Oh, that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I saw a ramp tech kicker abandoned in the street. I have no way of dating how old it is, but <laughs> I don't think those ramp tech, kickers are ever going away most yeah, impossible I mean, they're made ramp. of plastic so they're uh yeah. they're, forever. <laughs> they're at the bottom of the ocean that's sick <laughs> I'm, i am interested in mining that 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 idea you brought up anthony just of like the parks are closed we're, we're probably past the morning moaning period on that like i you know whether or not it's 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 the best thing for society i've been sneaking out to skate downtown minneapolis i got out solo tuesday night the other night and it's i mean this is like one of the most insane times to go street skating right now so do we think like trends will kind of change well you know is is it going to be different after whatever this is when it's done like think about like the fly out kids and like all that kind of like genre or like like i don't think it changes those people who do like weird quadruple flips and stuff because they can just do that like isolated but if you're like say 14 15 and your only experience has been the park or whatever and you're a skate rat you're gonna find stuff to skate so that might expose those kids to like different types of skating because they're not like they're not going on youtube and watching like a rick iola part and being like oh my god like that's not how people process things anymore so it's like in a way i'm sure there's an entire generation of kids who haven't been exposed to like skating natural obstacles or whatever and it could have like an interesting it could have an interesting impact and it could bring some regionality back to skateboarding which i think is is super cool because i haven't mm. felt like like the last like i think it was like the last uh evison full full length i was like that looks like like regional skating like they're skating a certain way because of the terrain and they have like their own aesthetic or whatever and it, it wasn't like that couldn't have been shot in just any city it's not that kind of setup of like hey um we need to send you to New York so you can like have your New York footage. You know what I mean? It's, yep. It was like, and then, you know, your guy goes there and he does what he does in New York. So I don't know, you know, like people are going to run with the ball, however they run with it. And 
I, I do think it will have some changes, you know, for, especially for kids who like we're probably going to go down that path eventually if they stayed in skating. It might accelerate it, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just thinking of like, OK, they go to the park all day. That's gone. Then they figure out like, oh, there's like this wax curb at the bank drive through. Mm-hmm. And, oh, there's oh, what's this curb cut thing? It's kind of like a kicker. And like, I mean, it doesn't take much to really like push push and open the mind and just you know get them looking at it differently so i think i think you're onto something yeah i i like the analogy i used was uh it's like del mar or like when all the the parks closed in the 80s and then like all right we got to either build backyard ramps and that's like kind of set off backyard ramp scene more and then there was more street skating so you know when you like when you close access to something it mentally it mentally does something to the people that go there and it kind of like I think it thins the herd of like the people who are going to go get it and the people who are just going to a park, like they were going there to rollerblade or, you know what I mean? Like riders, they just didn't pick a scooter. You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of a, and not to dominate things, sorry guys, but uh, it's kind of an evolutionary bottleneck in a way. It's like, you know, it's tightening things up and something new is going to happen on the other side. Yeah. COVID is the asteroid that, killed the dinosaurs <laughs> i can't i like can't that. comment i haven't seen the uh pandemic video yet so i can't say what COVID is until i watch like uh cool conspiracy theories on youtube god <laughs> not linked in the show notes yeah not linked in <laughs> purposely not linked in the show notes pandemic shit at first i thought that was like an upcoming plan b video i like had to like oh my god a little bit <laughs> there hasn't been the, anything that tone deaf yet but i would that is who would do it my god because they have like anti-vaxxers on the team that would make sense (laughs) yeah i uh i didn't look that up or see what it was or anything when you tweeted it so i guess i'm glad i didn't that was pretty shitty it's like the reason yeah that so the reason i was curious about it is because it's basically the the video that's like radicalizing like karens around the world and it's just mind-blowing to me so like whenever you know shit is going down when it's like regular like moms and and just like average people you went to high school with are tweeting out like really not articulate but like all these thought out conspiracy theories and you're like what like you you're like the most like normal human being of all time like you like Bon Jovi like what the fuck like how did you become radicalized so hey there's nothing wrong with Bon Jovi <laughs> I feel like I'm being attacked here <laughs> oh, shit. GNR. We'll switch it to GNR. Well, Axel Rose is a newfound American hero, so shit. I know. F- oh, form- yeah. Formerly racist Axel Rose is now like the most woke dude. It's amazing. <laughs> strange, strange times. Incredible times, yeah. Well, uh, going back to Anthony's article, it was written for Nike SB and it got me thinking, what's up with the jumpsuits? Are they delayed? So I actually sent a text out to my contacts there and they are delayed. <laughs> So, oh wow! Shed a tear for your jumpsuit. The, the, uh, the the crazy thing is, I looked at that jumpsuit a couple times, and I was like, because I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll write about this or whatever. And I was like, oh my god, I know the girl modeling it. Uh, this girl Stephanie, who skates, she used to like ride for Billy Rohan's company, Samurai. So they actually did get a skater in there for the jumpsuit. Nice. I was thinking about the jumpsuit when I was, you know, hitting up my friend, and I was like, how do you use the bathroom in a jumpsuit? Is there a flat? Uh, you take the whole thing off. I have a three-year-old who's obsessed with non-functional, non-convenient clothes. He's, everything comes off. So Yeah, that's not sounding too good for like a day where you're like pounding water because it's really hot out. Yikes. Yeah. I remember like, yeah, lo- like pants when they were a lot bigger. You get some heavy denim and then you sweat them out and like those things get to be 25 pounds. <laughs> like your whole jumpsuit sweated out. That's That's harsh. Yeah, I mean, isn't it made of, like, some uh, tech shit that won't get sweated out? Yeah, it has to be, like, that anti-sweat-wicking tech gear for sure. Yeah, dry fit. That's what. That's the Nike stuff. You're going to smell crazy but look dope in the jumpsuit. Yeah. The other jerseys were pretty dope, too. Like, the Brazil one was dope. The France, like, non-jumpsuit, like, soccer jersey type shit was pretty dope, too. So I'll probably keep an eye out next year, I guess, when that shit comes around. I wasn't expecting them to get that weird with them, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, okay, they're just going for it. That's pretty sick. I didn't expect that at all. 
Yeah, and there's kind of levels, you know, like you can get as weird or as normal as you want. The um, the one thing I wanted to bring up, where we're kind of like pinging ideas around about stuff we're going to talk about today, is that I found out in 2009 that the valuation of the skateboard industry was 4.8 billion dollars, and now it's back. The last report I saw is back under two billion and projected to go up to 2.4 billion dollars in 2025. And those numbers were shocking to me. That is shocking. So was the drop due to the end of Tony Hawk Pro Skater? I don't know. I mean, financial collapse is 2008, yeah. right? So it still managed to triumph for one more year. It's insane. Crazy. And I mean, is that is that bump, you know, five years out bump of what is that, $400 million? Yeah. Is like the Olympic debut built into that or i mean we that don't have know to be in the projecting that. i guess um yeah i mean i also think too like in what i quickly read about it it's just the the globalization of it because you didn't have like even in 2009 there weren't like internet as many international board companies that were taking up space in u.s walls or being distributed properly so it's kind of a weird i mean i'm not saying like in the billions but like kind of what theories the model they kind of grew it's like they brought those brands into the u.s and that definitely helps grow it like globally well and you think yeah once the olympics happen i i have a hard time thinking there's been that level of exposure in a long time you know just just the way everything media wise is so fragmented so yeah it's it's i think it's it's good to step back and realize how how big a deal it is olympic skateboarding yeah like if you think about it in uh advertising terms or whatever like they have some advertising cliche it's like if you say something a million times in this thing like it's like it's like the ad funnel like you're trying to get one percent of people to react to it or whatever so if like one percent of the people that see the olympics buy boards that's a massive boost to the board you know to the skate economy alone and it's not crazy to think that a percentage of kids who see that are going to be like i want a skateboard now and they can go anywhere to get one you know like order it from like that second on amazon prime or something and then you uh you throw sky brown into the equation oh no 11 year old you know that's yeah 11 year old girl underline all those uh biographical details about her and all of a sudden that's that's just opportunity for a lot more people i mean i'm again i brought up my kid three times in this but like she wants to, she pretty much wants to ride stuff and rip, be it a scooter, a bike. She can't skate yet, but like, I'm just thinking of her seeing that, and that that changes the game completely. Yeah, this this will be like the um when my mom sends me like the news clipping, like that'll be the next time she sends me a news clipping, like look look at this skateboarding thing. So <laughs> it'll definitely be like mom news, which is pretty sick for sure. Could make a good uh, subject for a documentary. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, we're all binging documentaries right now, and I will watch any anything. I watched like a grindcore one the other day that was terrible. So, <laughs> you know, what's, what's like there's there's like twenty or twenty five different hardcore documentaries on yeah. alone. I was fucking with some of them the other day. It's crazy. I blur them all together because a lot of them have the same formula of like like old footage and then a weird cartoon that like illustrates something that i already understand like i don't need it's like oh look look at the bad brains jumping around they're like they definitely have that i I get them all confused well one uh documentary that we've probably all been watching is the last dance uh documentary series about the chicago bulls last season with jordan uh that's got us thinking about documentaries we'd like to see on skate subjects we've already had a few great ones even ones in the running for academy awards mike what skate stories would you want to be told that is a fantastic question. I think in preparing for this, the, the the one that rose to the top for me, and it's kind of like a woulda, coulda, maybe the footage exists, but it doesn't. I would have really loved to have seen an issue of Thrasher come together when Jake Phelps was still around with us, just to see that whole production process, see some of the editorial decisions, see some of the planning, I mean, yeah, I, I wanted to see the sausage be made on that level just because, you know, I used to write for the skateboard mag, but I was a guy in Minneapolis when everything was happening in San Diego, and I was never close to any of that stuff. And I've I've done community newspapers, I've done some trade magazines, 
I'm really interested in how that 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 process works with Thrasher, which is kind of opaque, if not a lot opaque. So um, I think that's my number one idea. That's a sick idea. That's it's like a skate version of the September issue, which was behind the scenes of making the September issue of Vogue magazine. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I looked up. I think it was. Ah, shoot, I've already forgot the New York Times one from 2011, but um, maybe it was page one. Just it doesn't even have to be extraordinary times, and I, I don't know if I've seen September issue. It rings a bell, but doesn't need to be extraordinary times. Just want to see the process, you know. I've I've heard stories of Phelps, you know, flipping through photographs and being like, "Yup, nope, hell no, yup," you know. Just I, I think seeing that would shed a lot of light on stuff we've wondered about for decades. Totally, I could, I could go for a full Thrasher doc because. Whenever they they're like going through some mentioning like early Thrasher, they're like yeah those you know these dudes want to start this mag. They're like biker dudes, and it was kind of like a zine. And then there's just there's nothing like really in detailed. But uh, yeah, even just like the ownership structure and like because I guess the fact now like it's what Fausto's wife's the majority owner, so the biggest skate brand is actually female owned, which is I don't think anyone knows, you know. But if you yeah, just like a a backstory would be really sick because it's. It's like this thing we get sent to us every month, but there's no, uh, most people aren't aware of the backstory, I guess. And most, and, and a lot of it hasn't been told. And I'm sure there's a probably a treasure trove of sketchy stories that are, would be amazing. Jeez, for sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the early editors aren't even around anymore, you know, mm-hmm. hard living. I'm sure it's a, a factor. Yeah. I mean, was there a big brother doc or am I, am I just like conflating that? Yeah. With Rocco documentary yeah there was one on hulu that uh odell did oh yeah, yeah yeah i remember that one yeah so there's a big brother doc but there's no treasure that's kind of weird mm-hmm. yeah but the big brother doc was just kind of like a doc about the whole mag and the like cultural impact and stuff it wasn't really a nuts and bolts this is how the sausage gets made kind of yeah they, they kind of cover that in the rocco doc too it was just like uh, my understanding is it was like jeff rocco was just like here like buy the most expensive Macintosh you can. It's like twenty thousand dollars, and like Cork Express, and uh, you know, there here's Earl Parker, so he can write some shit, and you know, Mark he can draw some shit. And that was like pretty much it. And they got footage from the World Park, I think. But yeah, the Big Brother doc is definitely tight. What else do we need made? Well, uh, this is something that I think about a lot because <laughs> I watch documentaries as much as anyone. Two main types or categories were like documentaries about certain spots or scenes or whatever and then documentaries about certain like personality and the two big ones that i've heard are allegedly in the works are mike ternaski a uh well jake rosenberg i think said on his instagram that he's working on that and a pepe martinez doc that i think jimmy pelletier is working on allegedly uh also emb I think they were working on that like 10 years ago or something. There is like an EMB forever, like with the number four website. Mm-hmm. Like who knows what's going on with that. Like I heard Sam Smythe was working on a book, but that was like 10, 11 years ago. So who knows, you know, maybe uh, that ship has sailed, I guess. But that would be amazing because they were at least as influential as the Bones Brigade, you know. Yeah, for sure. And probably way better stories. Yeah, <laughs> those are a couple. um I'm going to just mention a couple more. Jeff Phillips, I think he's an interesting personality that could probably be explored. Because, like, when he passed away or whatever, they just said it, like, in Big Brother Earth, actually, like, you know, Jeff Phillips, blah, 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 1992. Like, there was no, like, story or anything. Mm-hmm. Just kind of out of the blue. So, you know, that might be a good story to tell as well. Also, one of the legends of the skate game, Todd Falcon, been around forever, still doing this thing, like, whatever. I think that would be interesting personality to get into also i think uh mccrank covered todd went and skated with todd falcon on his show um on vice yeah he did like uh because that show was shot, shot like super dramatic so it really captured the like dude in the woods suburban guy but totally deadpan like that was that was pretty crazy one. Oh, that, yeah oh, what was the name of that show, show? Uh, i forget radical post radical post-radical yeah yeah i think that was it the first one was about like abandoned malls and shit mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah 
I mean, yeah, I remember that shit. So no, but I want I want more Falcon. I like the idea of like the full character study. Oh yeah, that, sure. that would be amazing. Yeah, so that's just a couple. Yeah. What about you, Anthony? What you got? What do you want? Um. To yeah. So one, I was thinking of con- a little more conceptual would be like a Neil Blender doc, but you shoot it like that movie Bowfinger because he'd never want a doc made about him. So it's basically like calling together bootleg footage and like basically stalking this dude. I think that could be pretty cool <laughs> along with like, you know, all the people talking about how influential he is. And then I thought I'm stoked that there's, you know, the Mulhern documentary is going to come out, but it would be sick if they did a Philly documentary, like a city documentary as, and not centered around love park and not just kind of like this, the AB stories that you always get. And cause I think like there's a, there's a lot, like a huge chunk that hasn't been told and no one's like, no one's really articulated, I think, how much like the Rick Matt Surge crew did in opening up skating. Like no one's done a good job where like if I showed it to a younger kid why it was important, they'd just be like, it's cool. You know, they're doing simple tricks on like cool shit, like wh- whatever. I get it. Like I've, I don't think they understand like how that resonated and to kids in California having 62 inch wheels and stuff like uh, 62 millimeter wheels. And even like the pre like Roger Brown or. I don't know. I like anything that that has like old archival footage, like that um, that uh, East Coast documentary that Mike V uh, put on his page uh, that I'm forgetting the name of right now. But it has all this insane old New York footage from like '85. Hmm. Is that so, like de- Death Bowl uh, to Downtown or something? No, it's uh, along the Eastern Edge. It's really it's like the first Mike V footage, and a lot of uh, a lot of like shut people that never had footage have clips in it. It's it's really I highly recommend it for uh, uh, COVID viewing. It's definitely worth watching. Nice. Linked in the show notes for sure. Yeah. And then I thought like a, a gimme one would be just the film version of Disposable would be sick. Uh, especially like knowing that most of the artists are still around that you could really get them on camera and like, you know, be cool to get Pusshead to do it. So I thought that would be a good one. Yeah, that'd be a great one. And yeah, since everybody's around, it seems like a pretty easy one like that's low-hanging fruit for the documentary filmmaker out there yeah and like if you think about it the artists are all the weirdos that are great on camera so you know i don't know i think that like i I love that book um it was also cool when that book and um dysfunctional came out at the same time like they're the only good skate books because most of them before that were still kind of like some shit you like order at school for like 4.99 out of that weird like (laughs) you know what i mean like they'd be like some like flyer like you can order books and you get one called like skate jams or something and it's the worst thing ever so th- those right. books, you know i just thought like disposable even as a book for skate media was important because there's so there's so few books that you're like everyone has to have kind of vibe you know like there's no starter kit of books but if there was i would put that in there for sure totally yeah uh, yeah like a philly doc kind of leaning more towards like the ricky side of things will be tight because like people still like sweat his style like to this day not just in feel like people in california i know kids who do mm-hmm. definitely in japan like those guys are still rock stars in japan like even you know via traffic and shit so that would be an interesting angle to take definitely yeah because like he goes i know we're kind of ODing on the like josh stevie era and i don't mean that like a a shitty way you know what i mean but it's like there's so much about that era or it's used so much in marketing you know that it gets yeah, it's, yeah. Kinda, it's like that yeah that era is insane and incredible and like you know the the advancement is is sick but it's like a little chunk and i feel like they're because all those guys didn't blow up in the same way they they didn't get like i mean i'm sure you're putting a camera on ricky for the mulhern doc i'm sure he's gonna <laughs> i'm sure they have more than enough of a starter <laughs> there you know which is incredible yeah, very hyped for Chris Mulhern's uh, Philly doc or Love Park doc or whatever it's going to be. And also, he's working on a Blueprint doc, I believe. And I think that'll be really rad because I think Blueprint really did a lot for the UK scene, like kind of bringing it to the world. Yep. Like uh, my boy Rob Sully. <laughs> exactly. Eric Pupecki. Yo, why, why don't um, I know people have been getting creative like that, Greg Hunt um minefield thing was really sick and people are doing a lot of like live chatting but i want more like um people watching their parts and talking about them I, i'm like a sucker for that you know uh 
snackable content or whatever they call it. But I feel like more more people should be doing that. Yeah, it seems like low-hanging fruit, again, for pro skaters is just to mine your old video parts and just be like, yeah, this day we went and, you know, to this spot and, you know, I broke my board, so I did this trick on my homie's board, mm-hmm. whatever, like the cops were coming. You know, there's there's like so many stories behind so many tricks out there, and that's like, yeah, an easy one. Like, yeah, like here's the setup. Make a YouTube playlist of all Jason Dill's part and have him talk about it. Done. Hmm. Like, that's oh, yeah. going to be awesome. <laughs> the most yeah. relatable content. <laughs> I mean, Fred Johnson is kind of doing that on his Instagram. Like, I guess he's just posting like outtakes from Trilogy. Oh, shit. That's like, awesome. And I guess Stevie when they were filming for profile. And he is doing that to a certain extent. Like, oh, on this day we did blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? There's little snippets, but it's it's still fucking tight if you're a, like a world kid or whatever. And you said Mark Johnson was doing this? No, Brad Johnson. Uh, oh, Brad Johnson. Okay. St. Louis. Like the pier and shit, St. Louis guy. Chef Brad. Exactly, yeah, Chef Shout out that guy. Yeah, I think I think what a lot of the, probably the push for a lot of our ideas about these skateboard documentaries is that just, we want to know the stories because we can relate to them, because, I don't know, yeah, that's not the fully formed idea I thought it was, at the, but at the same time, it's like, it's that simple. It's like, we just want to know more of the stories. Oh, Wait, I just thought of another going off the top of my head. The biggest mystery man in the industry, fucking Julian. Yeah, that's like the Holy Grail one. Yeah, that would be interesting as fuck. Also, Dan Sturt. Oh, yeah, that dude. Fuck. Yeah, like, I don't know what he looks like, even. You know, like, I kind of do, but I kind of don't. Well, like, there's that trans world playground swing backflip that he did. Like, is that even real? <laughs> like, is that him or is that a... I mean, I mean, is that him? Was that actually done? Was it like pieced together? I don't know. Like, like the Dan Sturt legends loom large. Um, you know, telephoto lenses and Danny Way and sending negatives to Transworld, all that. Bringing up Transworld, if I can bring up another idea for a documentary, I would love to see. It's maybe something called Truck Wars, just like the independent tracker clash. And just how that actually like ended up shaping all, or you know, our, our previous world of skateboard media. Um, and there's also so I'm going way old, ancient skateboard internet. But um, on Dan's World Skateboarding, which was like one of the first websites I found, there was a San Francisco Guardian article that like broke down skating at the time in like 1993, 94. But they talked about the vertical integration of the industry and i'd like to see that broken down too just in terms of showing yeah showing how really incestuous a lot of the industry is and how mm-hmm. i mean we we touched on it previously when we were talking about the supply chain but like all your trucks are made in the same place just uh i think some of some of that more just kind of explainer i guess it is going back to the to the sausage making but that interests me yeah, yeah, like there's basically like three types of wheels, but probably like average kid doesn't know that or whatever. And like that alone is pretty interesting. Shit. Speaking of wheels, there could just be a documentary explaining the numbers and letters for <laughs> wheels. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it reinventing the wheel. And uh, there, you, there you go. You already got the branding. I, um, are, are there any docs on like, I know it's hard because younger skaters and what whatever you think of for that um like eight whatever age that makes you think of they usually don't have like the story arc or we don't know their story arc but are there any younger people you'd be hyped to see like a long form thing on oh um kb just like off the top of my head like a day in the life type thing <laughs> see it's funny because like i younger skaters that's a hard concept for me to nail down i'm like jerry sue <laughs> like <laughs> he's yeah. my age i think or if if not my age like a year older but how old am i that's a good question yeah like is there like the cherry kids is that a documentary you know like all those kids are totally different and like and they don't a lot of them really don't do interviews so you don't know like you get little hints you like nickel's probably the one who like is the most like forthcoming you know but uh because they're like they're they're older skaters now. Like their careers have already been longer than some pros that I liked, you know, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah. I think cherry kids would be a fantastic documentary. And yeah, just like on the, on the interview tip of 
not hearing from him very much. I think that quarter snacks piece with Sage, five parts, I mean, I don't know if I'd ever heard the guy like, you know, speak in his own words and he's definitely that, that, that was a great piece. That was a really good piece. Yeah, so I definitely want to know more about those dudes and about that, like making that video, because I don't know, they're like all of them were at incredible ages just for like the world changing and you're like yourself changing. Like they were young people becoming <laughs> less young people. But um, yeah, that okay, cherry Cause kids. It, yeah, because they're like the rock stars. Like you know what I mean? Like they're not like I don't I can't think of like a historical reference that you know maybe kind of like. The Embarcadero, like we were talking about, like the cast, like the known cast in Embarcadero, but they're not known for hanging out at a place. But but as far as like they're they're all pretty much like influencers and shit, you know, like internationally known people on billboards. So they are the like the kind of like the low key rock stars of skating. So I think that would be pretty interesting. Just like legitimately cool kids. Yeah, Yeah, there's definitely something there. They should redo Free Idea. I don't know why. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but no one's ever created the Alva Posse photo, right? For ad? No, nah, I don't think so. That would be fucking sick. They should do that, or like, not, I guess 917, that would be on brand for them. There's almost like a documentary opportunity of like, because we see we see it in skateboarding. It's like so funny of like the New, New Yorkification of people. Like they all <laughs> cycle through the same tropes, like... Yeah, like I always wanted to find like a like a an Instagram prodigy and then you, and New York brand them to see if it would work. That would be funny, but no one would agree to be in it because you think they were like you were like uh, mad dogging them or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> dude, but, that, hey, look, that would make a sick everyone, documentary. You know, like, dude, all right, here's the title of your zine. This is what you got to wear. You got to live in Chinatown. You go take your photograph in front of Scar's Pizza. Like, I'll give you the formula. <laughs> dude you should I'm be just, an agent i know i want to market i want to like like because what would be funny is if you did it like banksy style or something like you basically like pay real like you pay people to do all the shit this like you find just like a pretty green kid from like i don't know like the best kid in nebraska or whatever to make it real authentic and you like have someone create the art show for them like some real artist you put money into it it'd be fucking sick there's a movie what what am I thinking about? Where it's just like, yeah, taking this dude and just propping it. Maybe it's Cyrano de. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never mind. Pygmalion. No, I I just love the idea of. Well, think about it, like. Because cause there's like we can be we can all be honest. There's certain skaters we're just never gonna like them because we don't like their look. Like they could be the sickest skater, but you're just not relating to them. And it would be wild to like to rebrand someone like that like well you're not even rebranding them because they're just not like they're not known but if you try the if you try to apply the proven new york formula of course oh the, only, the only hard part is no one's gonna hang out with them but yeah you just make you just make sure they got what they need exactly yeah you get them like a sick apartment and then people will hang out with them you know what i mean like one better than like everyone else's chinatown apartment <laughs> dude you've got it all figured out who's going on a beer run right now is that you mike Shit, yeah. Guilty as charged. You heard him <laughs> clinking. I heard you go past the air conditioner or something. Which you oh, yeah. No, I went upstairs, and that's the, the fan that keeps our house quiet. <laughs> well, if there's any listeners, if there's any uh, wealthy listeners from the Rust Belt or something who want to be rebranded, come to me. I'll, I'll send you the proposal deck, and we'll get we'll knock it out. Oh, that's like the Chris Cole principle or something. It's It's pretty incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean yeah. it's been done, just maybe not not quite uh, so explicitly. But yeah, you think about people who've had uh, team management switch up their kits, you know, like yeah, other docs we want to see. I think Pontus Alve epically later is uh, we're due for that. Yeah, that's a gimme. That should definitely happen. Because he went from like a dude who rode for arcade to starting the coolest company in skateboarding. I just like. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, he did write for Mad Circle. He did, yeah. Yeah, to the worst song ever. <laughs> That's Shit, like, how did they make him skate to that cake song, dude? That's really, like, that wasn't even cool then, and it wasn't funny, you know? It didn't, like, it wasn't like, oh, this is a funny song. It's like, no, you're, you're making him skate to honky rap. This is really offensive. Uh, we need to get to the bottom of that. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Ponce would be a good one, because that whole, like, time period... After he was on, wasn't he on cliche for a minute? Yep. Between then 
in between Polar got started is kind of nebulous. Like, he made those two videos, like Strange to the Strange and In Search of the Miraculous. Yeah. In that time. So, yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. Like, his whole uh, journey and shit. I'd be uh, pretty stoked on that. Anything sure. built, built around, like, a someone who has a strong point of view. Like, I think one thing that happens in these documentaries is, like, I'm watching them and, and I'm... I'm perfectly understanding I might not like this person more, but I want to be entertained, you know? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not expecting to watch, like, the Hosoi doc and be like, wow, that really humanized him, and now I really relate to Christian. Like, no, that's not what it's going to be. But it's going to be this, like, total spectacle of a guy who is great on camera, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. those always make the best ones. Because whenever you see those docs where people don't know how to, like, it's like you're a skateboarder. You, You have to talk everything up. Like, that's how you fucking create the illusion, right? So, like, talk it up when you talk it down it's just never it never works what's that you know it's the success of jeff grasso in his diaries videos and it's the success of the last dance with michael fucking jordan where it's like this care these charismatic people that you want to watch and like they just ooze coolness yeah yeah it just can't be about anybody yeah and i mean like, I didn't even know why I liked Christian Asoy. You know what I mean? He was just, like, marketed as this and just wanted to be, like, you know what I mean? Like, some people just like that attention. It's like they're going to be a lead singer in a band, and that dude was definitely a fucking lead singer in that crew. For sure. Is that Asoy documentary good? I oh, guess uh, they... Yeah. they I, when I worked at the skate park I worked at, we did an outdoor screening of it, and like so many times, I didn't actually get to watch the movie, even though I was there. Like, is it good? Yeah, it's so funny. It's funny as shit. It might be my, my favorite skate documentary. That one's really good. Like, like I don't know. Like, I don't think people realize the the actual like, and we're never gonna know they're gonna inflate it. But those dudes were making like four hundred thousand dollars a year when like the value of that now is like one point two mil or some shit. You know. Like they're just that like rock star shit then is pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, cause like, and they all had agents and stuff and we're trying to be models. Like it's the most ridiculous. It's kind of like they, they laid the ground for Muska. You know what I mean? Like, here's what you do, dude. If you want to be like, if you want to be the, the dude, like the socialite, like here's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was trying to figure out if, you know, Tony Hawk is compared, called, has been a lot the Michael Jordan of skateboarding. But the more I watch the last dance documentaries, I'm like, okay, who was legitimately the best, legitimately charismatic, legitimately cool. Like there's not a lot of skaters who stack up that way. And I kind of, even though he's like, I'm not quite, I, I, I didn't skate at the right time to fully understand his soy, but he seems like probably the closest thing. Hmm. Let me know if that washes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually might have something or working on something for a quarter oh. along those lines. Okay. Right oh, now. Oh, shit. So. Man, something to be stoked on in the future. Yep. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Uh, Mike, what are you stoked on this week? Let me pull up my notes so I can remember. Had the Pontisov Google results up that didn't tell me how old he was. I wanted to know how old he is. Okay. This week, I am stoked on and fully pulling a Templeton. I'm stoked on slamming. So the past, was that like a month ago that you said you were stoked on slamming Templeton? I'm trying to remember when I said that. or like I was like, did I say that? I mean, it's I'm something that I would say. I'm stoked on slamming sometimes. Okay, that's good enough. So um, two weeks ago on a Sunday, we were skating these empty like ponds in a like fancy park. And I was pumping over a bank to go wall ride a rock. And I hit a stick. And I just got launched. Just got bodied. Then on Tuesday night, I was skating a curb. And I went to board slide it. My truck hit. And I got body slammed. So in the past two weeks, I have slammed really, really hard. And um, both times, I landed on my hands and like got those like bruised hands with scabs on top of them. Uh, and I'm really tired of having messed up hands, but it does keep you honest. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked on slamming when it doesn't take you out of the game. Uh, it does remind you that you might be on, on the older end of the scale in skating, but it's still pretty fun and you can still do it and you can be confident and still get broke off. 
And now I'm pretty sure that uh, I am done slamming until like 2023. So I got those two out of the way and I'm good. Did that soliloquy make sense? Totally. Yeah, I love a good okay. slam. Good. Uh, Anthony, what are you stoked on? I'm a one trick pony over here. Uh, I'm really stoked on that high quality version of Dan Wolf's closure. And so that was cool in the, we figured there'd be the deluge of old stuff being popping up. And so that's a cool benefit of that. And then someone hit me to, I can't believe I'd never seen this. It's the cream experience and profile promo video. And someone put that on YouTube a year ago. And Oh shit. Yeah, I had never seen it, and it was like, um, I'm not going to give, actually, I'm going to hold off any spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it, but there's some good Mike Graham clips, so that got me really psyched. And Keep it in the show notes. Shout out Mike Graham, because uh, he's hanging out with, he's uh, quarantining with 3D Matt, Matt Lannon, and they've been skating the ramp in his house, and it's pretty sick, making art, so that was cool to see, cool to catch up with those guys. I'm not stoked that I'm listening to a lot of craft work because Florian Schneider, the one of the founders passed away. That's a bummer, but I did want to mention that that's a very, you know, it's a band so influential. They don't get written about is that because they basically created a genre impacted everything from pop music to techno. Um, so it's, you know, the bittersweet going back through the, the, um, through the records, you know, like this has been like a, obviously it's a, calling this a crazy year is you know it's not even an appropriate way to describe it but you're losing uh andy gill from gang of four uh the guy from the stranglers the keyboards for the stranglers just passed away um neil pert you know like it's a pretty crazy to to be losing all these influential musicians and as per that i've been just making things at home been drawing every day ambitious over ambitious cooking that obviously doesn't always work out too well and uh and then just making some music on my own which i haven't done in a long time and you know because i'm i live in brooklyn so i have to have some like electronic side projects so i figured i'd play out that trope um (laughs) but i've been like i used to make music on you remember the old like black macbook that thing that was like indestructible Mm -hmm. like that was the first one with garage band i think so everyone kind of like Everyone suddenly OD'd on making music, but it all sounded like lo-fi and shitty in the same cool way. And I, I always thought of that computer as like the four track of the 2000s. So I've been staying true. I have like the shittiest version of GarageBand on purpose and use like all freeware and try to cobble it together to make like three tracks a week. And that's been super, super fun way to spend time. Is it like, uh, is it like in the 10 yard fight kind of vein or like? Yeah, it's like. It's basically wow. the the ten yard fight LP that I always wanted to write, and I finally get to revisit it. It's like ten yard fight X uh, LCD sound system or some shit. Exactly, that's like where <laughs> music was trending, anyways. So <laughs> sick, Jason. What are you stoked on this week? Well, we mentioned uh, the history of truck brands before. Um, best truck ba- brand, of course, being Venture Trucks, uh, which I'm stoked on. Still be me in the USA. Don't know when the founder is going to fire up again, hopefully soon. Also stoked on this podcast called Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. It's a podcast about the movie Blade Runner that skate Twitter homie, uh, the the ex-presidents or surfers at R underscore surfers uh, put me on to. Specifically, a couple of episodes focusing on, you know, the concept of dystopia and you know films and literature and that kind of shit so if you're into if you're interested in blade runner like cyberpunk type shit uh that's a good podcast and also uh i mentioned in different instagram accounts on here from time to time and this one might be the best one yet it's such a good idea and so in the wheelhouse of this podcast that i'm kind of mad that i didn't think of it myself it's what pants are though it's a at what pants are those? It'll be in the show notes. It's an uh, Instagram account about interesting pants, like in clip, and they're all verified. Like they don't tell you what brand a pair of pants is until it's verified by the writer. So <laughs> they they do their fact checking. It's uh, if you're obsessed with pants and what skater isn't, you'll, you'll probably dig this website. What can I say? Pants. Do they have? Uh, is Caleb Barnett on there? Don't 
think he's on there yet. I was just looking at it. They only have like 65 posts. But yeah, Caleb Barnett has some pretty decent pants. I know. And he was saying on his bun interview that he gets a lot of DMs about his pants. So he's kind of <laughs> like the, the god of the of the patron saint of the handle. That's sick. <laughs> and uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on the band Looper. Uh, I was reminded of it in a it was in somebody's Instagram story, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Looper! It's a Bell and Sebastian side project from Stuart David. He's one of the founders of Bell and Sebastian. It's extremely twee, um, but it like brought back a lot of fond memories from my time in college, and when we would like learn about new music from friends who read imported music magazines and shit like that. So good time listening to Looper. Uh, that's what I'm stoked on. I'm also uh, looking to get a new pair of shoes that are not skate shoes. Uh, something in the vein of Nike ACGs, kind of like a hiker sneaker kind of vibe. So if anybody knows a good shop for those, you know, not black, <clears throat> excuse me, not buying direct from Nike or whoever, because, you know, support local shops and all that shit, uh, hit me up with some recommendations. So that's, uh, I'll be stoked next week on those recommendations and maybe my new shoes. So that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we've talked about and other show notes. You can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter at Carbonite1994. On the Instagram at Frozen Carbonite. On Xbox Live at Carbonite10101. <laughs> and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Nice, a, a new uh, venue to hang with Jason. Yeah, if you want to play Call of Duty or whatever, fuck it. I usually get killed by a sniper in the first three seconds, but, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> at least you get to go look at skate spots in a fake New York City. I always appreciate those screen grabs you share. Oh, yeah, that's from Division 2. Yeah, that's awesome. L.E.S. <laughs> I found L.E.S. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Wow. Uh, Anthony, where can the people find you? It's... Uh, Anthony Pops for Twitter, Anthony underscore Papa with two P's on Instagram. And that has, the Instagram has the link tree with like my personal website. And then I started this newsletter, I think in October or something. I don't, I don't know, actually, maybe it's not that long ago, but I started a sub stack, which is basically just a blog. You get emailed to you, but I've been trying to put one thing up a week there. Um, this week was about, uh, kind of like your, it's called scarfing material. It's about your social media diet and how like you need to look at all this content, like food and maybe chill with the junk food for a little bit for your sanity. Damn deep. Yep. I am a subscriber to the email newsletter. And while I don't consume as much as I wish I did, that <laughs> I think it's all scarfable. Um, highly recommend it. I think it's great to have like thoughtful skateboard, materials show up in the inbox is it is it every thursday what's your day i just um i try to have something by thursday sometimes i get stoked and just put it out earlier um and then sometimes something will happen maybe i'll do two a week where like if there's something topical or whatever that yeah. i want i mean that's the main thing because like not having to pitch stuff and uh that's why i, I did it because i like the speed at which i can do stuff yeah when the spirit moves you Exactly. Or when I find like a fucking weird email exchange from a pro skater, or, like some interview that they cut to a thousand words, it's a good place to dump it there. Hell yeah. Sick. I'll subscribe. Cool. Yo, thank you. Show notes. Link in yeah. show notes. Yeah. Link in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, thank you for having me guest on the pod. Like I said, I'm a fan, so it's uh, cool to chop it up. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's been rad having you. Uh, Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at M Munzenrider, and I just followed uh, the Anthony underscore Papa. So there we go. Templeton, where are you at? I am on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. See you guys next week. Later. Peace. Peace.